everybody. Welcome to our podcast, Gita, a mantra for success. What is the Bhagavad Gita? Let's get it right first. Mm-hmm. Is it for religious Hindus only? Mm-hmm. Krishna devotees? Yogis? Is it advocating war? Or is it a war manual? And I also heard that it's only for older people. <laughs> older, elderly people, why? Yeah. <laughs> I heard only when people get old, they're like, huh, let's seek wisdom and maybe read the Bhagavad Gita. <laughs> I wonder why we don't seek wisdom when we are younger though. Then again, why should we seek? Not everyone is looking for answers because they don't have any questions, right? But you tell me what you think. Let me share this uh, very... I really like this quote. Life is 10% of what happens to us and 90% of how we react to it. Wow, very good. Mm -hmm. Nice. So, you know, Bhagavad Gita is that 90%. It's mm. all about how we should react to the failures and adversities, mm. how we should act responsibly and not be defeated by the challenges of life. Okay. So, you know, in many ways, Bhagavad Gita talks about mindful living, how we should live, what we should eat, how we should think. You know, it, it has all those tips for healthy and happy lifestyle, I guess. Okay. Don't you think it's important to understand all these things when you're younger? Again, I mean, <laughs> each person, you know, yeah. matures differently. They look for answers in different phases of life, right? Mm. So one person could be ready for it when they're 25, mm. somebody at 65 and seven will never be ready. I mean, there's no right or wrong. If they don't need it, then they don't need it, right? So Bhagavad Gita is for all ranges when you're ready. And it is available. Mm -hmm. It's there for you. The knowledge is there. Mm. You should read it when you're ready. And forcing somebody to read it is not going to help. It might sound too mystical or, you know, maybe it's very theistic in nature. Uh, Yeah. But the reality is uh, Gita is a handbook to a happier life. Uh, it's it's really talking about our true self, our life, and our relationship with uh, with the nature, with the universe, force, energy, or God, you know, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and also, some people think it's about it's about war, but that's all misconception. Hmm. Yeah. I also heard alcohol is uh, the key to happy happier life. <laughs> so we'll talk about that another day. But anyway, coming back to Bhagavad Gita, yeah. that's because you have to understand the context where Bhagavad Gita yeah, happened, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. The war is about to start between the cousins, mm-hmm, the Pandavas and mm-hmm. the Kauravas. Arjuna, one of the greatest warriors of that time, mm-hmm. is standing there and he's ready to defeat his enemies. Mm-hmm. And he's uh, the most skilled archer of his time. Mm. And then he sees his relatives, uh, especially his grandfather, his teachers on the other side, and he kind of panics and he's like, I don't want to fight. Yeah, that's a bummer actually. That's what that's what happened. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I'm like, okay, you knew the war was coming. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not like they woke you up one day and said, hey, go to the war. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. And he knew he was going to fight. Yeah. And he knew who he was going to fight with. Yeah. And now he's on the verge of the war on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. And he's like, eh, I don't want to fight. <laughs> but you know what? Uh, people do doubt themselves at crucial moments. Uh, you know, Arjuna was just a normal human being. Uh, he got very emotional seeing his relatives, especially his grandfather, as you said. Mm. You know, knowing it and seeing it are different. Uh, you know, until then it was all abstract. They were planning for war. They were getting ready. And and here now, you know, here he is standing with his weapons. And next thing that he has to do is to kill his relatives, kill his grandfather. 
I guess anyone would have doubts. I I think it's normal. I I uh, feel so. Maybe maybe I was I just uh, thought about uh, Star Wars. So Anakin Skywalker, oh, Darth Vader, ah. uh, tells Luke, you know. No, he, uh, uh, he's like pretty sure that I'm going. He's going to kill Luke he, if he doesn't join the dark he side. Te- he tells that to the to the emperor. Right, he says that, yeah, and yeah, uh, oh yeah, he yeah. also when he sees Luke for the first time, he tells him, you know, come over to the dark side. But he's also promised the emperor that he'll kill him. But when the time happened, mm. he could not kill his own son. And I'm happy you started this conversation. Oh yes, <laughs> let's talk about uh, yeah. Star Wars. Uh, and I think Skywalker has always been an emotional guy since That's his true. earlier days, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and he is always driven by emotions. And I think it's the same case with Arjuna. Uh, Arjuna is known for being very emotional, actually, in Mahabharat. Mm, but I think Arjuna was more like Luke Skywalker. Uh, Luke also knew he had to face his father. Right, that is true. That is true. But he was very clear that he would not kill his father. Who? Luke. Luke. Uh He was very clear about that. And he believed that there was still good in Anakin Skywalker, Darth Vader now. But Ed, he was also, he was willing to try to bring him to the the good side. And he was okay if he even failed. But he said, I have to face him and I can see good in him and I will do my best. To bring him back to the good side. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But Arjuna did not have that choice. Yeah, I mean, they tried everything to stop this war. I mean, they tried. They sent Krishna to have a truce. They talked to the them multiple times and the Kauravas did not agree. So, in that case, yeah, yeah. Luke, Luke's situation and Arjuna's situation uh, are different. And, yeah, yeah. and uh, Arjuna pretty much had to fight. That's true. Yeah. And I think that's why when Arjuna said, I don't want to fight to Krishna... That must be like you know what the hell moment for 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 Krishna. Yeah, I would think like <laughs> like yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah. You're like, dude. I just <laughs> became your charter. I drove you all the way here. Couldn't you have called an Uber instead? Uber. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, he must have pissed. I'm like, are, are you are you kidding with me? But you know what? Like Krishna was not an ordinary chariot. That is you true. Know? He he was known for his wisdom, uh, and his knowledge about. Um, warfare strategies they were brilliant uh, and so you know he must have realized that you know at that point you know Arjuna doubting himself uh, especially at that crucial moment of war is not good news it's mm. not good news for Pandavas <laughs> that makes sense that makes sense so when you know Arjuna had his doubts yeah it kind of at this point it becomes his responsibility as a friend and advisor and war strategist to mm. I mean convince him to get up and go and fight yeah so and he knows if he doesn't persuade him to you know fight with all his heart yeah they are going to lose yeah yeah. so at this point it was like you know my only goal is to convince arjuna Mm. to you know decide and make him fight and tell him hey this is your duty yeah. To get up and uh, face your fears yeah and, and that's what krishna did and that's that is bhagavad gita that's bhagavad gita okay mm-hmm. so Try and see if you can explain this. So, mm. why is Gita so crucial in the Hindu tradition? And it has become pretty popular in the, let's say, last decade or something. So, what's going on? Answers might differ. So, you know, okay. I think Hinduism doesn't have a central scripture, right? It doesn't have any central scripture. I think we have thousands of these religious texts. Uh, we don't know everything, do you? Do you, do you oh, no, of mm. course not. Yeah. I think what's happening in modern times, uh, because of growing interest from from the West, we uh, have started calling Bhagavad Gita as your as our main religious text. Because you know, when our when you meet our Muslim friends, they have their Quran, and our Christian friends have Bible. And when they ask us, like, okay, what do you have? 
we just say, oh, we have Bhagavad Gita. Uh, that's, Makes sense. That's, that's, that has been my experience, at least. Plus, um, Mahabharata was so popular as we were growing up. That is true. That is uh, true. And yeah, and you don't want to say we have 45 different scriptures because then it becomes nobody wants to hear that. So it makes sense. Yeah. Anyway, Mahabharata was very popular mm. as we were growing up. Mm. That brings us to an interesting question. Mm. Do people need to read the Mahabharata to understand Gita? They should, should they know better? Mm. At least know the, the, the summary of it? Yeah, I mean, not necessarily they need to understand, but if they know the story of uh, Mahabharata, it definitely enhances the understanding about of Gita as well. Makes sense. Uh, Gita has around 700 verses compared mm. to almost, I think Mahabharata had almost 100,000 verses. It's that big. Yep. Um, what is interesting to me, and I uh, I learned this from the professor from when I was taking this course at uh, Oxford Hindu uh, mm. Studies, the professor said that the... Central theme in Mahabharata is the nature of dharma or to one's duties. Okay. Uh, you know, I mean, and if you if you think about it, every character in Mahabharata is seeing their responsibilities from their perspectives. Right. And they are very concerned if they are executing their dharmas within their lives. Everybody. Okay. Uh, there are no right or wrong answers, but if you no Mahabharata every character either it's a male or female every character everybody they contemplate a lot and they put their views to win the argument everyone has an agenda mm-hmm. and there is no black or white in Mahabharata everyone has that gray side don't you think so? yeah, yeah. definitely the gray yeah. side there's no black and white yeah. yep and yep. so in, in many ways Mahabharata is a debate rather than a unilateral discourse uh, you know, it's it's not a kind of a one-side story. It's mm. really a debate. So that way, and 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 I, I I learned this from the professor. The theme of Arjuna debating about his dharma in the Bhagavad Gita it actually aligns with the overall theme of Mahabharata. So okay. So that way, even if you don't know the whole story of Mahabharata. Uh, only uh, reading Gita as an independent book, that's fine. I think the author uh, used Arjuna's character as an illustrative of all humans that are confused, uh, skeptic, conflicted, and they're seeking for some uh, answers, seeking answers. And I think the author just wrote these verses to guide such humans. Right. So when Vyas wrote the Mahabharat, Mm. uh, yeah, there are conflicting things as when was it written? Do we know for sure when it was mm, written? I, no, we don't. I don't think we know about it. Um, you know, I took some academic course on mm-hmm. Bhagavad Gita, and even those uh, scholars or academic, they, even they were not very sure about when it was written. Some suggest that it was written at some point between uh, 400 BC to 200 BC, uh, but it's still very kind of very unclear. And some even argue that you know, even those 700 verses of uh, Bhagavad Gita, you know, if they were added later in Mahabharata. Okay, wow, uh, okay. We, we do not know. Uh, the author uh, definitely took references from older Vedic texts. Okay. Uh, mm. Particularly Upanishads. Um, but I think somehow he knew the limitations of some of these ancient, ancient texts. So he decided to introduce a new concept of bhakti or, or devotion at the le- at the later chapter of uh, Gita. What does that mean and why do you... Yeah, go on. What does it mean? You know, the initial chapters are influenced by the Vedic text, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, particularly Upanishads. So Krishna uh, takes references from these Vedic ideas. Uh, uh, you know, 
Vedic ideas is all about knowledge. Uh, you know, it promotes that knowledge itself is the path for liberation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, um, uh, the, and the teachings of Krishna's are very philosophical in nature. They're very intellectual, very mystical, very withdrawn, and detached. He encourages us to suppress emotions and and seek the absolute truth. Um, you know, he, he talks a lot about atma, soul, self. It's very influenced by some of those Buddhist Buddhist. Uh, teachings. What's interesting is, and I found it very interesting, as Krishna is explaining the philosophy of yoga, mm. suddenly uh, Arjuna comments, you know, I cannot be a yogi. I cannot be, you know, one of those going to the jungle and, you know... Aesthetic, uh, to seek liberation. Mm. So, okay. Yeah. I cannot be like that. So, he just says like, you know, show me an easier path. Uh, this is when uh, Krishna... Probably he thought like, okay, this guy is not going to understand me, whatever I say. Mm -hmm. So he just decides to introduce the concept of devotion. He takes a drastic turn somewhere in that. And he he starts talking about divine love, emotions, relationships, you know, all these ideas that are not mentioned in Upanishads. Okay. Yeah. He no longer speaks about the soul after that. Instead, he calls himself the Supreme God, who is the absolute controller of the universe, and he talks about devotion, praying, and seeking divine grace. So that's what it has a religious angle. It gets a religious angle there. And, you know, I think that yep. idea is more popular among Hindus today. Yeah, I'm not really sure why, but that is true. Yeah. So basically, yeah. Krishna basically says, oh, no, if you don't want to go to the jungle, renounce yourself, that's fine. Just yeah. stay in the world. Uh, devote yourself to me, which is Krishna. Just pray and I'll help you. That's an easy way out for people, I think, who are kind of I, lazy. I don't know. You know, I wouldn't say that. But yeah, I mean, pretty much something like that. But you know what? Gita is not really about either going to jungle or being Krishna's devotee. Okay. There's definitely a middle. A lot, like, you know, the major part of Gita is there's a middle part. Middle That's path true. That there. is true. You know, Gita is about life. Uh, because Krishna keeps talking about actions, duties, um, mental consciousness, wisdom, intention, and human emotions. And they are all relevant to our lives. Yeah, he promotes the path of knowledge, uh, which fundamentally it says that we are responsible for our own happiness, for that our actions. Right. And we need to focus on finding our in our own self or inner mm-hmm. self. Um, uh, that's what he actually promotes. But it's only when Arjuna asks Krishna to show him an easier path, he kind of, dis- I think he, that's when he decided to tell Arjuna that, okay, you know what, I'm God and just listen to me. Uh, okay, I guess uh, I guess he, he did not care. His goal right now was to convince him to fight the war. Mm. And as I was thinking about it, I came across an interesting analogy. Mm-hmm. In the movie Avatar, uh-huh. so Jake Sully, when he is with the, the Navi and they bomb their house, the big tree. Yeah, yeah. And he's pretty much, every, he loses trust and he's just uh, discarded by the Navi people and they all move to the Tree of Souls. Uh-huh. So he figures out, okay, I have to win their trust. What can I do? So he remembers their old story and he gets up and he figures out and he jumps on Tarok Makto, which is the biggest, baddest cat in the sky. And based on that tradition, whoever rides it Uh is uh like uh, the person who's the clan leader. Uh And he brings all the clans together. Their forefathers did that. So he jumps and he gets Tarok Makto. So when he flies in to the Tree of Souls on Tarok Makto, uh-huh. everybody 
has you know just agrees that and they God. look at him as a divine avatar a divine presence and oh, the yeah. movie's name is avatar so yeah, oh, yeah, yeah i yeah, guess yeah. that's so the, that, the, the that's logic pre- that's an that's an interesting analysis i like it very true because sometimes people need to see something larger than life i guess and that 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 analogy makes sense to me uh, i guess i, I guess I, sometimes you need uh, you know marvel stories and star wars and avatar to make sense i guess so anyway I, I let's take a moment to talk <laughs> about uh-huh. krishna okay was he a god a yoga teacher a leader a strategist a wise man a philosopher who was he mm-hmm. what do you think deepu uh i think the mystic aspect of krishna dominates the bhagavad gita right he refers to himself as god and he reveals that he is the avatar of lord vishnu um that way he is god but i personally think when the epic poem of mahabharat was written krishna was just a princely ally of pandavas i do not believe the authors of mahabharat wanted to portray him as god in the beginning at least okay so what do you think i think he was a wise person probably a charming character he was articulate he was very smart possibly very creative and he was a good friend of arjuna okay i agree with some of the parts he was mm-hmm. a wise man and a good friend okay go on i'll let you finish and i think over the years the author of the bhagavad gita decided to turn him into god the author uh, says vyas uh, in my opinion he was a great storyteller he was not interested in krishna as a human character so he decided to turn his attention to the mystery of krishna's divine nature so he created krishna as a god mhm but why was that needed why was a god needed can you explain yeah i mean it's it's easy to follow the teachings of god we are humans and you know i really think the author vas knew that he would be able to make people understand the um the the teachings or the instructions of these ancient philosophies if he created krishna as god but you know what i'm very fascinated with this author though you mean vas right yeah yes because he's more interesting to me he had an excellent knowledge of ancient wisdom he had read samkhya philosophy all vedic texts text upanishads you know i i i have tried to read them as well and they are very difficult to understand so now when i read the bhagavad gita i notice that it is it is significantly influenced by these ancient philosophies but gita is much easier to understand because those words are coming from this very fascinating god like character krishna and it's easy to follow his instructions because of this because of his larger than life personality Hmm. <laughs> You're not no. comfortable with this. No, I'm not. Mm. Why do we even need to think of Krishna as a god to understand the Bhagavad Gita? Does it even matter? Is there any significance to it? That's what I feel. What what do you, what do you think of Krishna? To me? Yeah. I would think he's a friend, a leader, mm-hmm. maybe a strategist, mm-hmm. an advisor. Mm. an ordinary person i mean maybe a little better than ordinary could be a person with experience that's pretty much it so you do not you do not want, even want to see the bhagavad gita from from a theistical point of view oh hell no <laughs> if you tell me krishna is your inner conscious talking 
Okay. Mm-hmm. I can think about that. That that kind of makes sense. You mm-hmm. can tell me he's your friend talking. That makes sense. That's what I said. Mm-hmm. But if you tell me Krishna is God, he is divine, he is the reincarnation of Vishnu, I'm like, okay, talk to the hand. <laughs> I'm out of here. So that's my stance. And I basically say, okay, is there God? Is there not a God? You can't prove there's a God, and mm-hmm. you can't prove there's no God. So I say, leave him out of it. It's not necessary. Hmm. I'm not saying there is a god I'm not saying there is not it doesn't make a difference is what I'm trying to say. Mm-mm. Do you think Krishna is god deep? I see him as some force or energy that motivates me to do a lot of things. He guides me. I I I I, I do not think things just happen randomly. There is some mystic force that guides me or motivates me or challenges me. So if I am a Jedi he is definitely the force you know you can call it the universe the force energy supreme being or god but he is something for me so does that make me believe that he is god I... looks like you do <laughs> why do you even need his energy or power or this force to do what you need to do for me mm. it just comes i think it's basic common sense or it's within you and is technically you don't need an external person to motivate you can't you motivate yourself and have like self discipline hmm and that that's interesting concept as well um some um some people need that kind of external force some people don't Make, need. Uh, so sense. that's where we you and i differ in our perspective okay. that's okay um How do you see when Krishna starts talking about himself in the Bhagavad Gita because he positions himself as God So as I mentioned before mm. see generally I'll consider Krishna as a friend advisor mm. you know strategist in these parts then Krishna becomes your inner self or your inner conscious hmm. and then so there's no god so I am god god is me that's the logic hmm. so technically you are responsible for your actions mm-hmm. and if you have the will power and do stuff then it's you hmm It's very easy to always have an external factor so if something goes wrong you have somebody to blame. That's why usually people have a uh, an external but that's again uh, my opinion. It doesn't make it right or wrong that's what is I feel. But yeah yeah. You know what like uh, the good news for you is you do not need to believe Krishna as god to understand the verses of the Bhagavad Gita. Agreed agreed and uh, that's the thing I mean it is not all about god. I know like you said maybe it was added later but uh, it is in, influenced by the ancient philosophies mm-hmm. the bhagavad gita is not about god and that's not what our podcast is going to be mm-hmm. it's going it's about many aspects about leadership how to live your life mm-hmm. about happiness uh you know some what we say might make some people uncomfortable but again this is our opinion this is not to meant to hurt anybody our goal is to focus on you know mindful living mental well being and how you can use the teachings mm-hmm. of bhagavad gita in a practical way in everyday life that's pretty much what we are trying to uh, portray in this podcast mm-hmm. so in conclusion this is the approach we are going to take to the bhagavad gita and all the 18 chapters we'll mm-hmm. break it down into smaller pieces we want to start with the introduction and our individual perspectives and that what that's what we did today in this podcast So keep watching this space for more podcasts and check out our website onestoryavenue.com. Thank you everybody. Thank you so much. Yeah.